0: Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday MMA Show. I am Lucas and once again I'm joined by Elliot. Elliot, nice to speak to you again. How has your Christmas been? Oh man, it's
1: been all good, it's been all good man. Just a proper proper chilled one this year. I don't know about yours.
0: Yeah, no, ours was quite... Our house is a bit of a bombsite at the moment with construction work. So, uh, not the average Christmas here at the Edwards house. Um, <laughs> anything, I'm just missing fights man. It's been a whole week and a half two weeks since i've seen some mma i'm missing out mate i don't know about you
1: yeah we've got another two weeks or something left it's it feels like it feels a while man
0: yeah it definitely does but with 2020 almost done in the books uh we're going to look forward to 2021 and i mean we've got three massive fight cards coming up in the week of in the month of january uh and today we're going to break down our top fighters that we I'm looking forward to seeing in the Octagon next year. And I believe Elliot, we've gone about this two different ways, haven't we? I've gone down the route of um, fighters who I'm just looking forward to seeing in general, whereas you have decided to go down a different route.
1: Yeah, so I've kind of gone for like, uh, like potential, potential like superstars, maybe. If that's the right word for it. Yeah, I've done a few. I've had an okay year or some that's not done as well this year, but they will be doing well next year. They're kind of like a hidden superstar.
0: Yes, that's great to see. Hopefully, there'll be names that not everyone will know, and they will get to know, in the words of the boss. (laughs) Uh, We'll start off with our number one fighter, well, number one, our number five pick. Uh, I was going to pick this guy, actually. I was very interested in him. I did see him fight last year in the heavyweight division. Uh, Tom Aspinall from Liverpool, England. Uh, Elliot, I believe you actually did choose him, didn't you?
1: Yeah, he's. I mean, he's two and zero oh in the UFC already. He's a. He's a. He's a heavyweight, of course. He's a. He's a quite an interesting striker. He's not super quick or like anything technical. He just throws bombs. I mean, his overall records nine and two. I have to do a bit of research on this because obviously he's outside the UFC. Yeah, twenty-seven years old. The two losses, however, are one submission, and one's an illegal elbow. So really coming into the UFC, say like nine and one. I know that's not how it goes, but that's a very interesting like like um form considering his style is really really risky style really but he's really exciting to watch
0: yeah i did i did see him fight uh jake collier back in july and i wasn't i wasn't expecting much from him i won't lie to you but the way he did take down jake collier who used to be a middleweight fighter like this wasn't his first fight in the ufc or anything he had been about and it only took him 10 strikes to put down the big guy jake collier and uh what was more impressive is that he came back in in um, october and for mm-hmm. Alan B- uh, Bodot. And he uh, also knocked him down in the first round. I think he's a very heavy, like you said, he's got very heavy hands. I think he's an incredible striker, to be fair. I remember when I was watching the Collier fight, he threw a few knees as well. He's moving about like a light heavyweight, maybe even a middleweight, but to be doing a heavyweight, it's something you know, you've got to really appreciate. And I think he's someone you've definitely got to look out for for next year. Uh, he Does does he train with Darren Till along those lines?
1: I th- I think so because I remember Darren Till like, kind of giving him a shout out before the fight, and I think they they do some Muay Thai together. I'm not too sure because they they've got quite a similar style. Just think Darren Till's a bit more technical about it.
0: Yeah, you've got to be a bit more technical if you're lower if you're that lower weight than Thomas. Yeah, Thule. of course. Comes in at 256 pounds, the big Scouser, <laughs> six foot five <laughs> as well. He's he's making a name for himself. Obviously, obviously his early doors in the UFC. Um obviously that heavyweight division is a bit wishy-washy with fighters at the moment. I think obviously you've looking at John Jones coming up to the division that will make it a bit more interesting, but Tom Aspinel will definitely throw his weight about. And I think he's someone you've definitely got to keep an eye on because like in the heavyweight division, anyone can knock out anyone. It just takes one good punch to the jaw and you're out cold. And I think Tom Aspinel is definitely showing signs that he could be someone to, to be reckoned with in this division. Um, is there anything else really? Obviously, he hasn't really. Can't really say much about him except that we're looking forward to fight, seeing him fight again. Uh, is there anything else you really want to say about him, really? Um,
1: to be honest, mate, it's just interesting who he's going to fight next. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him versus the winner of the De Santos's last fight,
0: which I can't remember the
1: night name. He's the big French guy. Oh, Garnet. Yes, yes, that be, would be, be a good matchup. fight.
0: He did. To fair, um, he did very well in his last fight. Uh, I was surprised at how well we did against someone of that kind of level in the heavyweight division as well. He's, he's also another fighter who I could have easily put on this list. But mm. Tom Aspinall does take that number five position. I think he's going to have a very good year if he keeps up the way he's doing at the moment and uh, hopefully won't be too long till we start seeing him fighting bigger and better names. Right then, number four. Obviously, Tom Aspinall was a very interesting pick but I'm going to go with someone a bit bit more well-known in the UFC. Uh, we're going to go with Calvin Cater. Um, Calvin Cater, obviously, in the featherweight division, had a very good 2020, two fights against Jeremy Stevens and Dan Ige. That Dan Ige fight was absolutely mental. Oof. 25 minutes of just pure leather hitting <laughs> each other. <laughs> yeah. um, Calvin Cater, obviously, has his big fight against Max Holloway on the 16th of January. That's got to be one of his biggest fights that he's going to have. Do you not agree, Elliot?
1: Well, probably the biggest you're talking about this the featherweight goat, really, aren't you, with Holloway?
0: Yeah, 100, percent 100. percent Max Holloway, obviously, de- being dethroned by Alexander Volkanovski, will want to make a name from. What we'll, we'll, we'll make a name for himself? He want to put in a good performance against someone like K2, who has um, he's, he's in my eyes, uh, it might be a bit, you know, controversial, but I think he's genuinely one of the best boxers in the UFC at the current present moment in time. I think you're yeah, looking yeah. at. I think I I think he's had fights against Jeremy Stevens and obviously Jeremy Stevens has been around the block a long time here in the UFC and he absolutely destroyed him. Oh yeah, Jeremy Stevens didn't make the weight but Calvin Cater's elbows, I mean the elbow that when, you know, Stevens was on the ground cut him open he was bleeding profusely after the fight and I think his fight against Danny Ige also showed him, you know, the amount of improvement he's made since his first few fights in the UFC against Andre Philly and Shane Burgos um i think he's developed into a more technical fighter not more of a um swing and hit and him you know hit and hope kind of fighter i think he's oh you can see his development over the you know over the the fights he's had he's become a quite a um uh, a tough fighter for other fighters to fight against. Um, no, Calvin Cater obviously is a, is a very interesting fighter to watch. I think his fight against Danny Dan Ige is was one that you could watch and really appreciate how far he's come. Calvin Cater is obviously a work in progress in my eyes. But Elliot, have you got any thoughts about this feather, featherweight fighter?
1: He's, I mean, if he wins in January against uh, Holloway, where do we go from there? He's. You've got him against Volkanovski if he wins, of course, for the belt. And that, well, that'd be a war because of Volkanovsky fights. I mean, the featherweight, featherweight fights are usually quite good. Maybe they don't get enough credit. But I'm just, I'm completely open to see where he where he goes. I, I can't call the Holloway fight. I really can't.
0: That'd be a very close fight as well, to be fair. I'm very much looking forward to that. Obviously, Max Holloway needs to kind of put in a performance after losing his title to Volkanovsky. Say, just say Keita does beat Holloway. He goes for. Do you reckon he'd go straight in for a title shot? Do you reckon that's what's next for him if he wins against Holloway? Doesn't he? Because
1: Holloway coming off the loss against Volkanovski, maybe Ortega's up there in the mix.
0: I believe Ortega's next up for a title fight in that division. I'm not too sure. But I think he could either throw Calvin Cater into a title fight against Volkanovski... I don't think he's genuinely ready for a fight against Volkanovski in my eyes. I think he still needs to work on his on his stand-up game a bit more. Obviously, Volkanovski can take it down to the ground if he needs to, and that's why Calvin Cater really struggles, I think. He's, most of his fights are usually on the stand-up. He likes to keep the fight standing. And, you know, the only fight he's, you know, really troubled him were fighters who took him to the ground. You've got his last loss against Sabit Magomed Sharipov. You have no idea how long it took me to get that name right. Um, Zabit obviously he can take it down he's a very good ground game fighter as well and I think that's where you can really see Calvin's weaknesses shine Uh, hopefully I believe he's been working on his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling and his ground game but I think Volkanovsky will probably give him a very tough fight as will Max Holloway Uh, is there anything else you really want to say about Calvin Cater
1: no I think you pretty much sums it up
0: yeah well Calvin Cater is due to fight Max Holloway on the 16th of January next year That'd be a very interesting fight for us all to watch. Uh, Elliot, I think we're rushing through these very, very quickly, but we're going to go straight into our number three pick. And I believe you've got the dream, Chase Hooper.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. T- uh, Chase Hooper. I mean, this guy could take a beating because he is, let's be honest, dreadful standing. It's it's hard to watch sometimes. He <laughs> really gets hard
0: to watch. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: As soon as he takes that to the ground, he's won it. He's insane at jujitsu. It's it's not even comparable to like anyone else. And I think he's a featherweight as well. You know, uh,
0: I believe so. One forty-five. Yeah, he's a featherweight.
1: Because I also think he's a bantamweight because how small he's like how just how small he looks. I mean, not height-wise, but he just has no definition. He's
0: he's incredibly white. thin. Yeah, he's like your best mate trying to get into the octagon. He's six foot one. He's he fights 145 pounds and um, yeah, as you did say, his stand-up game is something that, you know, needs less to be desired for. It is it's scary watching him on the feet because you do worry for him. But like oh, you said, yeah. as soon as he brings you down, you might as well just tap out straight away because there is no chance. That you're getting out of his grip unless you of course you're Alex Caceres who actually beat him
1: <laughs> in yeah.
0: June um Chase Cooper, obviously I think he's obviously the youngest fighter on the UFC roster he was born in 1999 and that makes me feel incredibly old I don't know about you <laughs> yes yeah massively man how are people fighting in 1999 in the UFC but um he's currently four and uh, three and one sorry three and one in the UFC um all of his fights have, you know, obviously highlighted how good he is on the ground. And his next fight obviously is yet to be announced. But he did fight recently, well, on the last UFC fight card against Peter Barrett. It was a, well, a comeback, to say the least, wouldn't you say, Elliot?
1: Yeah, it'd been, it was all going one way, wasn't it? Chase Hooper just taking a bit of a beating standing. Then he, done, then he just, as soon as it went to the ground, I mean, you, you really saw who's superior and who really has a bit got, like, the superstar potential.
0: Yeah, I think I I was looking on doing the rounds on social media. People were putting this fight as one of the biggest comeback fights of the year. Um, Peter Barrett, obviously, you know, he he does like to throw his weight about in that division. I think he did give it to Chase Hooper very, very strongly. And I did think at one point the ref was going to call that fight. But, you know, Chase Hooper hung on in there just about, managed to bring him down and get the submission on the heel hook. Where do you even see Chase Hooper going into next year? Because obviously... He's one of those fighters where he has his preferred way of fighting. You know, he's, he will take you down and he will keep you down and he will beat you up while you're down. He obviously needs to work on his stand-up game. But obviously, that you've got to really, really, really get that stand-up game on point if you're going to, you know, come against anyone else in that division, especially if you're going to try and push for a title fight or even, well, say, title fight, if you want to push up into the rankings, you're going to come against people who will keep it standing fighting up. And you know you're going to get found out incredibly quickly, so I think his stand-up game is something he needs to work on if he's even going to attempt to break into the rankings next year. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you agree? Yeah,
1: but I think because because of how tall he is, it doesn't have to be this guy who's got to stand the inside. Um, he's what did you say, six one?
0: Yeah, six one.
1: It's not necessarily about the power, but just how he goes about um, like the stand uh, standing game. It'd be yeah. He's, just got to, he's got to work on it appropriately as opposed to trying to rush it and just have like <laughs> absolute brawls for his first fight.
0: I think, yeah, you can't really say much more about Chase Hooper except that he's a very ta- obviously you can't deny the talent is there. The talent is definitely there for Chase. Yeah. But you've got to kind of think he's gonna get found out if he doesn't work on his stand up game. And you can't start giving him, you know, oh, what's the word I'm trying to find? You can't give him that kind of hope that you think he's good enough to be standing up in the UFC. Cause if you look at fighters, it's a bit off topic, for example, we're going to look at uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, obviously she was known for her ground game, her, her judo throws and her arm bars. And then she comes across Holly home and her trainer said that she had one of the best stand up games in, in the division. And she definitely got found out there. So I think, you know, he needs to get, get into training with someone who will kind of be harsh on him who will make him work to fix that stand up game because otherwise he's gonna get knocked out and very badly injured, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, if you compare it to other featherweights at the moment, it could be it could be quite nasty in terms of the stand up.
0: I mean, even comparing it to the likes of Calvin Cato, who we've just discussed, I mean, he's got one of the filthiest stand up games I've seen in that division. <laughs> if Chase Hooper <laughs> oh, yeah. come across Chase Hooper came across Calvin Cato, that's it's a one sided fight and it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be an ugly win, you know. He will come out looking like a mess, and obviously taking that much damage does have an effect on you, as we've seen with other fighters who've recently fought, i.e., Tony Ferguson. Taking a lot of damage can really impact the way you fight and the way you kind of turn out in MMA.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if he fought like not necessarily a top ten, but Josh Emmett. I've been watching him a lot recently, and yeah, he's throws bombs. He really, really hits hard. So, yeah, that's kind of like the standard you've got to be at to be even a top top five, top 10.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're looking at, for example, taking Josh Emmett, his last fight where he was just swinging for the hills. And luckily, the guy he was fighting had a chin on him. I think, was it Shane Burgos he was fighting?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Shane Burgos, he has a chin on him and he took a lot of punches to that jaw. And he did not go down, just did not go down. And luckily, if he comes up against someone like that, like, for example, Chase Hooper fighting Josh Emmett. It's a different story. I think Chase will get, like I've said it before, it will get found out incredibly quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm looking at the rankings now, just a bit like,
1: just to put it in perspective, Barbosa is fifteenth.
0: Edson Barbosa is fifteenth. See if he comes across Chase Hooper, mate. That's it. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. even. I wouldn't even. I mean, obviously, I will watch it, but I would not have any money going towards Chase Super in that fight.
1: That's what Yeah, that's what kind of really emphasizes what Chase has got to do. It's, I mean, look at the rankings. There's so many people, so good standing. Unless he just focuses on jujitsu and just taking people down to try to weather, weather the storm, which we've seen some people do before.
0: Yeah, but sorry, I, I, I was going to say, I think if you're looking at that, though, if you're trying to keep it solely jujitsu, and you're looking at the likes of what Damian Jacques um, Jacare Souza, you know, they will take the fight down, but they've also got some form of, of stand-up game. I mean, I say stand-up game. Damian Maher's fight against uh, Ben Askren was one of the worst stand-up fights I've ever seen in my life before. <laughs> before they thankfully put us out of our misery and put it to the ground. Um, I think he uh, is a tough one. Chase Weep was one of those fighters that I'm very much looking forward to seeing fight next year, but I don't see him being the superstar that he thinks he can become. I'm obviously all up for him to prove me wrong. He hasn't really got an answer for me because, you know, he doesn't know me. But Jay <laughs> Cooper's one of them fighters. I think he's very talented, but he's definitely got some flaws in his game which can be easily exploited. Yeah, I mean, he's only twenty-one. He
1: could easily go up a weight once he gets a bit older and start to put on muscle, and then it'd be, I mean, certainly interesting from there if he goes up to uh, lightweight.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And he, like, he's got an easy got a fifteen-year career ahead of him if he keeps himself in check. Easy 15 mm-hmm. years. So there's time for him to improve. There's obviously time for him to develop his game. One thing I could criticise the UFC on is the way that they hype up some certain fighters when they're just not ready for it. I mean, if you're looking at successful fighters, they've managed to do that. You've got Conor McGregor, um, even recent ones like Hazmat Mayev. You know, the UFC pushed them and obviously they've been able to prove themselves. But Chase Epo, obviously, the first fight he had that was obviously of some talent. You're looking at Alex Casares. And Kater has beat him on a decision, so I think you know maybe he's a bit too young, maybe he's a bit you know not I say experienced enough. Maybe he hasn't isn't ready to be pushing towards the rankings next year. But I think next year will be a very interesting year for him, just to see how he um just to see how he performs and see how far up he can get. See if he gets a few wins under his belt next year, maybe fight two three times next year. There's no reason why he can't you know be asking questions of the rankings. He fought twice last year, or this year even, sorry. And you know, won one and lost one. So he, you know, there's definitely improvement there. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him fight next year. Um yeah, that's Chase Hooper, the dream, all over and done with. Hopefully he can keep the dream living until the end of next year. (laughs) That was so bad, but we're gonna keep moving on and we're gonna keep moving on. Um I think we're going to have to go for our number two pick, really. And we both picked this fighter, an incredibly popular fighter in the UFC as well. Um, he's a bantamweight fighter. It's the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. Ooh, he's so popular. I know a lot of people kind of turned against him a,
1: rec- a recent after the Chito Vera fight.
0: People can say what they want about Sean O'Malley, Elliot. People can talk. People can chat shit. But Sean O'Malley is one of my favorite fighters at the current moment in time. He's absolutely unbelievable. I think I haven't seen someone with that man of arrogance since Conor McGregor did it. And I think he's, he's being able to show it as well. I think if you're looking at his fight against Marlon Vera, it is unfortunate what happened to him, in my opinion, because obviously he picked up an injury during that fight and he wasn't 100% before Vera took him down with the elbows. But I mean, if you're looking at his fight against, for example, Eddie Wineland, Oof. where. I've seen one of the coolest knock you know, walk-off KOs since Mark Hunt. You know, he the talents there. He also fought well, he fought three times this year. You know, he had a about a year, wait two years off. His last fight before Jose Quinones was in 2018 against Andre Sukumatath. That's definitely <laughs> butchered, but we'll move on. Um, yeah, he had a two year layoff. And he came back in March for the and the Adesanya Romero card, and he won performance of the night with that uh, with that fight. Went on to fight Eddie Wineland in June, so only three months later, picking up the, another performance of the night bonus against you know Eddie Wineland, who obviously is a very very experienced fighter, knows what he's doing, and got absolutely sparkled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I think Ed, he's got to obviously have a rematch with Marlon and Vera next, sometime next year, which would be fucking interesting to watch. But, I mean, what more can you say about the Sugar Show, Elliot? His style is so attractive to fans. The way it, I don't think he has a
1: kind of kickboxing background at all, really, but for some reason, he seems to throw kicks like anyone else in the division. It's so interesting to see. He's super quick, the colourful hair. It's just his background outside of the octagon is just a bit awkward. I don't know if you've seen him in like the embedded episodes and stuff. He's got a bit of a crazy lifestyle.
0: I've seen I've seen a few videos here and there. Yeah, um, I think he's one of them fighters who's loud inside the octagon and outside the octagon. He mm. will make noise. He will call out people. I mean, he was even having a spat with Cody Garbrandt after his knockout of Eddie Wineland. Obviously, there was <laughs> I say unfortunately we were treated where we saw two. For disgusting knockouts one from Sean O'Malley and the other one from Cody Garbrandt on Asun Shao obviously them two were were rumoured to be fighting each other after that fight card in June and I said it then and I said it now I don't think Sean O'Malley would have a chance against Cody Garbrandt not at this moment in time anyway and obviously he got brought down to earth with his loss against Marlon Vera but he still remained to be cocky I still think he's got the ability to push up and I think you know I'm going to say it Luke's unpopular opinion of the week. He can be, he can be featherweight champion, bantamweight right, I, champion. I th- My apologies. I think he could be bantamweight champion.
1: I said the same. I said the same. He's gonna. I think he's gonna be a future champ. A few, a few more years once he's kind of matured up in terms of his fighting style. I think so too. I really do.
0: I think he has the arrogance and he can back it up as well in the in the octagon. Not every, you know, you can't spend your whole life going unbeaten unless your name's Namagomedov. But I think Sean O'Malley has got one of the loudest mouths in the UFC at the moment. And I think he's using it. Obviously, being loud in the UFC can allow you to get, you know, a bit further ahead in your career quicker than other fighters. It definitely works. And I think the UFC have pushed him since his performances on the Ultimate Fighter and Dana White Contender Series. Um Obviously, he's one of those fighters where his style, like you said, does attract people. I mean, he likes to throw spinning heel kicks. He likes to go high. He'll go low. He'll throw spinny shit all ty- all the time. And I think he's one of those fighters that, you know, if if for a casual fan, you know, you're not going to be interested in your chase hoopers who who's just takes you down and, and, you know, break your leg. You've got, you know, Sean O'Malley who will straight up walk towards you, spark you out with one punch and walk away again. And I think that's hmm. that's what, you know, in in the in the words of Dana White, that'll make you a needle mover. You know, you <laughs> I, I think I've got to do a Dana White quote of the week each week now. I think I've started this. <laughs> um yeah, he's uh he's one of those fighters that will capture the casual fans' attention and obviously the the more dedicated fans' attention. And I think he's gonna have a very interesting year next year, depending on how often he fights. I mean, like I said earlier, he did fight three times this year. So what's the? Pro- I don't see any reason why he wouldn't fight two or three times, depending on on the injury. Elliot, who would you obviously he's going to have a? I'd assume anyway he'd have a rematch with Marlon Vera. But who else would you want him to fight next year if you could? You know, if you were the the matchmakers at the UFC, I think. Yeah, the rematch makes sense, and I think after the rematch,
1: just throwing with Garbrandt—that's that's a big fight for the bantamweight division. He, the trash talk is brilliant. He, uh, he's got potential. He's, he's the ability's there as well. And I think I, I do think he's top tier. It's just, I mean, the alien leg foot injury, whatever it was against Martin Vera, uh, kind of changed it up a little bit. But I do think he's up there already. I really do.
0: Sean O'Malley, I think he's potential to be a proper prospect next year. I think he's got a very good chance of, you know, moving himself into those rankings next year as well. He's um, an incredibly gifted fighter. And I think he's one of those fighters that, like I said, really grabs your attention. And I think that's what makes him stand out from a lot of other bantamweights. I would love to see him fight Cody Garbrandt if he manages to beat Vera in a rematch. Although I do question whether he's ready for that sort of big fight, in my opinion. I don't think he's at that level, don't get me wrong. I think he's an incredibly gifted fighter. I think he's a very talented man. But I don't think he's at the level where he can put away the likes of Garbrandt. And especially when you've got the likes of TJ Dillashaw to come back into that division. I don't think that is where Sean O'Malley... That's, I don't think that's where his level is at the moment. Uh, and so that leads us with our number one pick. And I I don't think it could be anyone else who you know who could be fighting next year that I am more excited to see. Uh, It's a controversial pick, but it's my podcast and I decide who's number one. And it is the notorious Conor McGregor. Uh, He might fight once a year and he might make, you know, do more bad things to people than good things in terms of being arrested and punching old men. But Elliot, how excited are you to see McGregor back in the octagon in January? I mean,
1: super excited. Let's Let's go past the point where... Oh yeah, Conor McGregor's like the casuals favorite. It's everyone's like everyone's going to see him regardless. It's not just the casual fight um, fan's favorite, it's everyone's favorite. He's got a crazy I mean, I was looking at his stats earlier and it's like he's had like 20 something fights all together. And like 19 of them are like knockouts
0: or something like that. It's- yeah, his record's 22 and 4. Um and he's, you know, you he, he could go through his catalog of fights. From the Aldo knockout to Eddie Alvarez, Chad Mendes, you know, the list is endless. I haven't been more excited to see someone fight than the last time Conor fought back in January this year when he fought um, Cowboy Cerrone. I I mean, like you said, he's not only just a casual's favourite, he's everyone's favourite fighter. And I think he's really helped put mixed martial arts on the map as a you know, a sport to be considered seriously and not just how some other people have to call it human cockfighting. Yeah. He is coming against a very tough opponent though, in the time, in the likes of Dustin, the diamond Poirier. Now these two have fought before. If you didn't know already, Conor McGregor picking up the W back in 2014, which was actually the last time Conor didn't main event, a UFC show. And they're going to run it back in January. I think this fight will be a lot more closer than than the last time they fought Elliot.
1: Yeah, I mean this is a different <laughs> weight now. It's that lightweight as opposed to featherweight. I'd rather see McGregor at lightweight because he keeps talking about going up to feather, uh, welterweight, which I think he fought Cerrone at welterweight, if I'm not wrong.
0: Yeah, he was... They fought that at welterweight. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see where he goes after this fight, whether he'll stick around in the lightweight division or if he'll go back up to welterweight. Um... I personally think he should stick it out in the welterweight division purely because I think he's done it already in the featherweight, won the title, went up to lightweight, won the title. And you can talk about the Khabib fight, but Khabib is on an entirely different level to any other fighter in that roster, in that division, let alone the whole UFC. And I think you really have a go at cracking the welterweight division. I think you've got some brilliant fights you can make at welterweight, especially against uh, Jorge Masvidal, which I think would break all sorts of records in the UFC, if you ask me. But how do you see him coming up against Dustin Poirier? Do you reckon Dustin will have a well? Does he have a chance against Connor? You know what? I keep
1: changing my mind. I think of of course he's got a chance. I mean, look at the people who's beaten him. He's beaten Gate Gate. He beat Hooker earlier this year. He's beaten the big big like these big strikers, man. I, I do think he's got a chance. However, McGregor's one in a million in terms of the UFC. He's a superstar. He's got that left hand that can end anyone and he could be losing the fight and he could just land that. I'm I'm so interested to see where this fight goes. I keep changing my mind. I honestly can't call it similar to the um, the Cater Holloway one. I, I can't make my mind up. I don't know who I'm going to bet on.
0: When the fight first got announced, I did say Poirier has this in the bag. I was proper Team Poirier. I think one thing you've got to uh, look out for is McGregor's gas tank. We know he likes to gas after the third. And I think that would be if he manages to keep his stamina under control. He has a very good chance of beating Dustin Poirier. I'm talking as if Poirier is a favourite. And I think genuinely the bookies will probably put McGregor as a heavy favourite against Poirier. But I think if you're smart and you know your UFC, you know your mixed martial arts, Dustin Poirier is a very, very versatile fighter. He can take a lot of damage. He can throw a lot of damage as well. And also, he's got the ground game, which is vastly better than Conor McGregor's. Uh, I think he's a He's definitely up there in terms of jujitsu, as you saw against Dan Hooker. Was always used climbing his back, putting him in guillotines, covered in blood. <laughs> like he's not scared to take it to the ground. And I think Conor McGregor, obviously, he's been working on his ground game. I mean, there's no chance he hasn't been. it'd uh, be ignorant and naive not to, but I think you, it's going to be a very interesting fight. I don't, I don't see them really being a knockout. If I'm honest. I reckon it'll go the whole five rounds. I don't think either one of them will be able to knock the other one out. I think Conor McGregor's such a strong chin on him. He's a very good fighter, as is Dustin Poirier. I think the one thing you could say that would give McGregor the edge, and I have mentioned this before, is the damage that Poirier took in that Dan Hooker fight. That does do stuff to your your body that does affect the way you fight. And I think Conor McGregor's got a very good chance of you know doing more damage and possibly i'm not i'm not saying it couldn't happen but you could get the stoppage as well like he did in 2014 uh conor regregor obviously he's been very active on social media he's been he's been you know he loves to chat on twitter to 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 the fight fans uh the only question i've got really to ask you is do you reckon he's going to retire after this fight i mean for the sixth or seventh time you know what i think he's
1: i think he's a new man now i think he's quite but the way he's got about this fight is really mature I, I think he's gonna fight he's gonna carry on fighting i think he's got a few more fights left before he has a little hissy fit again
0: yeah i i did like the way how gracious these two have been in terms of agreeing to fight each other because originally it was going to be outside of the ufc for charity yeah and big dana white was like wait no 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 no, no. you fight for the ufc and I think it does open up the question it, it, could this be for a title belt? Just, oh, I'd, it'd
1: be interesting. Po- Poirier's up there. i am look at the rankings now, and I think he's, well, just the one after um, K- Khabib. Charles Oliveira's got to be up there. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it honestly could be, although you could argue McGregor's not really deserved
0: it. I think Quanah McGregor versus Dustin Poirier would be a very interesting fight. And I think the winner of that. Would really send shockwaves across the lightweight division because obviously we know Tony Ferguson isn't probably as sad as it is to say I don't think he will be fighting for a title anytime soon after Charles Oliveira schooled him, and I think Oliveira is probably next up. I think the winner should fight Charles Oliveira for the title if Khabib's actually retired. That's what I think. I think Charles Oliveira deserves to be where he is. I think. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier is a very good kind of either title fight or a title eliminator in my opinion. I don't know what you think, Elliot. What do you think?
1: Can I throw in Gaethje versus Oliveira to fight alongside McGregor oh, Poirier of course. and then the, the winner fights
0: for oh, the other the Yeah, of course. Justin Gaethje, of course, coming off the back of a loss to Khabib. He'll want to affirm himself as still one of the top dogs in that division. I think it all comes down to what Khabib's doing, because obviously Khabib sat there on 29-0. and 0. His legacy is to finish on 30-0. and 0. And I think obviously Khabib wants to have that, that super fight with George St-Pierre. Obviously that wouldn't be for the lightweight title. So it's looking more and more likely that Khabib will vacate his title, in my opinion. And then like you said, you have Justin Gaethje, Oliveira, and you have McGregor, Poirier. But then where the hell do you throw Michael Chandler in all this? You know, there's just so many variables that can change in this division that I think it's almost borderline impossible to predict what is going to happen after the 23rd of January, depending on the winner. I mean, there is rumours,
1: but I don't know how true these rumours are, that Hooker and Chandler will be on the McGregor card.
0: Of course, I did. I think I sh- I shared that with you, didn't I? On on Twitter, you might have done the other day. You might have done actually. Yeah, I I did see that. I also saw Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker could be on the on the card, and that would just hype that card up even more. I'd be so gassed to watch those two go at it. But of course, the main event is McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. And if we make predictions now, are we going to stick with him, Elliot? No, no, I I, 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 (laughs) I'm
1: changing my mind, man. I keep changing my mind.
0: Guys, let us know what you think about this main event fight on the 23rd. McGregor Poirier, it is borderline impossible to choose who's going to win. I think they're both deserved winners in their own respects and they're both, you know, they both deserve to be where they are. And obviously, I think the money that they make from the fight is going to charity, am I right? To the Good Fight Foundation, which is Dustin Poirier's charity. Um, I think... If you're going to say one final thing about Conor O'Gregor, it is the fact that since the COVID outbreak in March in the UK, he has been nothing but spectacular in terms of helping with charities. He was out, he was seen distributing PPE to to, to frontline workers who needed it in Ireland. I think the, the man's really turned a cornerstone. And I think he's really decided to show how much he actually does care about other people and that he's not all about this. Persona that he puts on the UFC, so it'd be interesting to see how he acts after the fight. Whether regardless if he wins or loses, I can't put into words how excited I am to see Conor McGregor fight next year, guys. That is our top five fighters we're looking forward to seeing next year. Elliot, is there anyone you know any honourable mentions you want to throw out there that you're looking forward to seeing next year that we didn't cover earlier? I mean, we've got uh vizayev I keep butchering his name. The the um... The lightweight Muay
1: Thai fighter out of of Tiger Muay Thai, if you've seen the documentary as well, is in that. He's definitely one to look out for at lightweight as well.
0: Yeah, he is. I would also like to throw out, I did mention him earlier, Michael Chandler. I think Iron Mike Chandler could be a genuine issue in that lightweight division. Rumors had it, he turned down a fight against Tony Ferguson. And that kind of, if that's true, then that kind of puts a downer on things. But as is rumored, he is set to be fighting Dan, the hangman hooker. Uh, Is there anyone else that you you particularly want to mention or cover before we wrap things up, Elliot? No, I think we've pretty much called it. No? Brilliant. Guys, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, Let us know what you guys think about the top five picks. Also, go follow us on Instagram. It's the Everyday MMA Podcast on Instagram. And, guys, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Have a wonderful new year. I know this year's been a bit, you know, not normal you could say, to say the least. But, you know, 2021 is right around the corner. And hopefully by this time next year, we're all enjoying Christmas and New Year the way it should be with alcohol, friends and family. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you guys later. Cheers. Thank you.